On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the club! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is a strategic advantage. It's the power to act effectively. It's going to bolster you up to the next level that you're trying to get to. Instead of relying on somebody else to help you with your hat in your hand, you're actually bringing something to the table and you're proving to them that you have a track record, that you've written songs, that you've got cuts, that you have demos, that, you, that you've made money as an artist and you're worth banking on. That's what the new music business is about is creating leverage. It's why we called it the climb. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. Oh, my Lanta, that's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> the, the Baxter name comes from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how to write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then on a regular he connects you to the pros so you can find out where you're at, what you got to work on. And if you're ready to go on a couple of songs, even make some relationships and start to start to move up that ladder. Uh, you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artists by making them discoverable. They've also created multiple tour opportunities and through the power of digital marketing data, data, they have attracted a number of investors for their clients. The investors like the numbers because the numbers don't lie. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's happening, brother? Oh, I'm excited to share some stuff, some hidden treasures that have not been seen by most of the world. So today, we I'm going to share a hang that I had with the producer of Rodney Atkins. He's a hit country artist, and the producer's name is Ted Hewitt. Ted is a, man, he's, he's a hit producer. He's a hit songwriter. He's written songs for other artists. He's a vocalist. He's all, all the stuff. He's all the things. And so I've had the pleasure of writing with Ted before, and this is something that lives in the Freddie members area. So if you remember Freddie, F-R-E-T-T-I-E.com, if you dig it, you can go there and you can see it as well as hear it as you're about to hear it. But also we have a bunch of other folks that we hang with. So I just wanted to share this and go, hey, this pull back the curtain a little bit on, on the Freddie community and see what fine Freddie folks there are are uh, getting to see. But I just wanted to share it with the climb community as well. A little good look one. into the uh, little transparency into what happens over there in Freddie land. It is, man. And this is a good one. So I wanted to share some good Good, good goodies. Cool. Well, I always like hearing from pros like that. Let's take care of a little business first, brother. Hey, mm-hmm. you guys, it's a digital world out there. Everybody knows this, but it's still super, super important for you to have physical media if you're an independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small, as you are painfully well aware of. When you mm-hmm. sell products like a CD, vinyl, T-shirts, hats, USBs, like this is the stuff that actually gets you from town to town. This is the stuff that actually generates revenue and turns this into more than a hobby for you. That's right. Knock, knock. Who's there? 
math. Math. Matt says for every CD you sell at a gig, for one CD, you got to stream, have about 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. So one CD, 3,000 streams. One CD, 3,000 streams, right? You can get to 3,000 streams. That's great. That's hard. Why not do both? You're literally leaving money on the table if you don't have merch on the table. So our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your disc and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. And you can find them at www.discmakers.com. That's D-I-S-C, makers.com. Or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. All right, guys, and if you haven't joined the Climb community on Facebook, please do so. We have to ask to be let in, but we let everybody in. Don't worry about it. We're very inclusive. It's all love and puppy dogs and ice cream and good information, entertainment, and inspiration. That's the kind of place you want to hang out with. Stuff's going on every single day. Every day there's activity going on there. That's what's really cool about it. It's not one of these kind of Facebook groups where the last time you visited two months ago and put a post up, it's the same post. It's a barren wasteland, like a ghost town. It's not what's happening here. So we're super proud of that. Come on in. Let us know what's going on. Lots of uh, people helping people, getting questions answered, singers, songwriters, indie artists, everybody. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, we're everywhere. Make sure that you get the subscription so that, uh, I mean, it's free, right? Why not listen to every single episode that's going to make sense to you, that's going to have some impact for you. Take five seconds, leave a, all right, 25 seconds, and leave a five-star rating and review, or leave an honest rating and review. If it's not five-star, tell us why. We'll read it on the air. We read them all on the air. We'll make you famous. And lastly, tell a friend about it. If this is really helping you, if you found value in this, if, if we're taking up your time, it's for a reason, tell somebody else about it. Post that on social media. Tell your other songwriter friends, your other musician friends, and let them know, hey, what's going on? And speaking of reviews, yes, we've got another, this one's kind of cool, actually. I've got a brand new review here. This is from October 5th, I'm sorry, October 15th, 2019. It's a tasty five-star review. And the title is, it's from Lou Gazzara, and the title is Mindy Pack Interview. Mindy Pack Interview. Do you recognize the name Lou Gazzara? Um, well, honestly, I do because we talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Jim Carrey on, on uh, Johnny Carson. It's not like we planned it, Johnny. <laughs> but anyway, here's the review. It says, thanks for your podcast. I'm an American Idol finalist from CQ. Oh, there we go. I don't, yeah, I don't back know. in the day and have been Las Vegas, a Las Vegas headliner and touring concert artist for years, singing every single style and genre you can think of in my show. By the way, did I say the title of this Mindy Pack interview about our friend Mindy Pack, the vocal mm-hmm. feature? So he says the vocal extremes are very demanding and listening to Mindy was an awesome treat and motivational to find a coach that can help me at the higher professional level. Awesome stuff. I'll definitely be listening to more. When you put this review up there, Lou, and thank you for this great review. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. I took a screenshot of it and sent it to Mindy and Mindy's reaction was, well, tell him to call me. (laughs) (laughs) So she's got your back. If you're looking for another resource there on vocal health, brother, we really appreciate it. Climber, if you're interested in hearing that interview with Mindy Pack, that is episode 172. 172, interview with vocal coach to the stars. That's right. I mean, Justin Timberlake, Pharrell, who's yeah. I mean, big, big stars. So craziness. Yep. Yep. So thanks, Lou, man. That's awesome. All right. So what we're going to do is this episode has 
the hang is we're just going to drop in the audio here so y'all can hear it. And then we're going to come back and we'll wrap it up. But this is my hang with Rodney Atkins producer, hit producer, Ted Hewitt. I can't wait to hear it. Our guest today has produced uh, Rodney Atkins' multi-platinum breakthrough mm-hmm. album, If You're Going Through Hell, which yielded four consecutive number one singles and an ACM nomination for Album of the Year. To date, he has produced six number ones, I believe, and as well as three top 20 hits for Rodney. He's also a producer on Rodney's current album, Caught Up in the Country. Our guest also produced the first major label album on Canadian artist Brett Kissel. That project with Brett garnered five radio hits as well as Juno nominations for Album of the Year and Producer of the Year and a Juno nomination and win for Breakthrough Artist of the Year in 2014. The same project received five CCMA nominations. As a songwriter, our guest has over 40 major label cuts, including Wine Into Water by T. Graham Brown. That song kills me. Uh, Love Lessons for Tracy Bird, which is a great one, too. Plus, cuts by Waylon Jennings, Glenn Campbell, Alabama, Kenny Rogers, Rodney Atkins, and Winona, among others. He's also an accomplished musician and vocalist, and he's sung or played with Reba, Rodney Atkins, Vern Gosden, Glenn Campbell, Craig Morgan, just to name a few. Ted Hewitt, thank you for hanging with us today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. That's, that's a heck of a bio. I love that. So... Ted, my goal for today for this hang is to inspire, educate, and motivate aspiring songwriters and singer-songwriters. And I want to do that just by having an honest conversation, just by keeping it real and letting them learn from your your experience in these different facets of the music business. So you ready to go for that? Sure. All right. Yes, sir. So uh, I like to always start these off talking about the cuts and the bruises. Uh, so normally this is the songwriter's like best story of getting a cut, you know, that kind of mountaintop moment, some sort of success could be your first cut, your most successful cut, whatever a good cut story is for you. And then on the flip side, the best or most painful story of not getting the cut, that's the bruise moment. So we have the cuts and the bruises and let the folks know at home that it's not all wine and roses, but there's uh, there's ups and downs in this business. And since you're a songwriter and a producer, feel free to tackle these stories from either end or both. So let's start off with the positive. Can you tell me a good cut story? Well, my cut story has got to be my first cut. Um, And I was so lucky. I'd been bringing songs to Nashville. I was making a trip up here. I lived down towards Chattanooga and uh, I'd moved there from Atlanta. I had gotten a job playing bass with an, an artist named Johnny Carver, who was, he had the country version of Tie Yellow Ribbon, which was his big hit. So I'd, I was doing craft shows with my wife and I met these Nashville musicians. And so they asked me if I could play bass and I said, sure, which I didn't, I'd never played bass, but I figured I could do it. And so <laughs> they were, they knew Buddy Cannon, and Buddy had been actually the bass player before me. And so I did. I had an opportunity to meet Buddy and say, hey, man, can I bring some songs up to you? Because I knew he had been successful as a songwriter. And so I just started bringing songs. You know, I'd get a batch of songs, and I'd get in my old truck and drive up to uh, Mel Tillis's publishing company where Buddy worked. And I remember I just I would sit out in my truck for just trying to get up the courage to go inside because it's – it doesn't, even now, it takes a lot of courage to play songs for people. It really does. It's, you know, you're just bearing your soul and everything you think is great. And, you know, they were encouraging, but they never, they didn't take anything. And they finally took something, you know, that was a, really almost as better than getting the first cut, you know, just because they, I'd been made four, five, six trips up. And, uh, but they took my songs and I actually had, I was sort of going through a divorce at that time. And I, they encouraged me to move to uh, Nashville. And so, um, I was sleeping on this guy's couch. I can remember doing this work tape for a song called Leaving Eyes. 
And it was actually, I took it to Buddy and them, and Buddy took it to uh, Mel Tillis. And um, Mel took it to Glenn Campbell. They were friends. And so, you know, it was a song I wrote by myself, and Glenn cut it, you know. And so it was like, and it was the first year in town, I was thinking, boy, this is really easy. <laughs> Little <laughs> did right. I know. It was like 10 more years to have, a, to have a single that did pretty good. But it was still, it was so encouraging, too, because I, I got to sing on it, sing on the record. And there were pranksters at uh, Mel's place. They, I came in one day, and they said, man, we've had something happen there. Your, something happened to your cut, you know, it got the, the tape screwed up or something. They were just yanking it. So <laughs> brutal. it was. So anyway, that, that has to be it really, you know, just that when I look back and I think, man, I was like, just so blessed to get that. So yeah, I mean, the Glenn Campbell cut, that's, I mean, Hall of Fame. No, it was, yeah, it was just one of those things. And I don't think, looking back, I think I realized that at the time, you know, I was a big Glenn Campbell fan because everybody was, but she kind of like, sort of in the moment you're like it's it's almost like it's not real but it, it led to getting a publishing deal there at Mel's and that was sort of getting to work with Buddy Cannon he sort of became my unintended mentor he, you know he would probably never own to that but I've always just studied what he does and, and kind of watched how he has did his career as a producer and songwriter very cool. so that was my cut Okay, well let's let's move to the the darkness okay, yeah. here. <laughs> so, bruise story it could be not getting the cut, or it could be some other music business kind of bruise that is. Well, there are several. I mean, the one songwriter one that probably the the hardest was, um, you know, I had a I'd written a song with Bob Corbin, and um, it's called American Sun, and it was a really great song. It was you know it was near the Olympics times, and it was about a it was a sort of sports centered thing. And Hank Jr. took it. Having said that, Bob was a great singer. He's like a sort of Bob Seger kind of singer. Well, we knew they were cutting it. You know, that I can remember that day so well. And at the end of the day, he didn't do it. He felt like he couldn't pull off the vocal. And that was when he was, Hank Jr. was really hot, too. He was like platinum. He was he was rocking right then. You know, a single on Hank Jr. then would have just been a huge deal. So that was, yeah. that's one of those things where you you realize in this business, and, and you know, you, you got to be able to, to get your butt kicked numerous times because everybody does at some point or another it's just it's, it's, it's so mm. competitive and it's just it's going to happen that was definitely the probably the main bruise song i guess bruise thing you know yeah that that is one you're like next time telling your co-writer can you maybe not sing it quite right so exactly and that's not, not intimidate the uh, artist and and that's true right. there are you, that's possible i mean they can have a, sometimes a singer that is too good i mean it really reduces the number of people that can cut it, you know, if there's something, of course, like Jeffrey Steele, a guy like that is just an unbelievable singer too. And there's just a few people that can sing his songs, but there were big, really big songs too. So, right. The other bruise as a producer was, you know, I'd found this act in Canada. It was before I met, met her at the same time I met Brett. But anyway, I, I worked really hard. I've been up there a couple of times. I, I, you know, had buddy interested in it, buddy Cannon and, I was finally able to get her a development deal at the time was RCA and then found out at the meeting, the manager had gotten some other producer. We'd had some issues and she got some other producer to get the gig. So she got the development deal and then they like, we'll take her. We don't want you kind of thing, you know? So it was like karma implications. I mean, it it never, nothing happened. And it was, you know, it was one of those Mm. things where they thought having somebody with more of a name, it would be a bigger deal. That's mm-hmm. lesson learned for them, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, what was the team that got you interested in the first place? And I think a lot of writers look at that are kind of outside the business, look at producers and they see names on hit records and they think, 
I mean, they just got the life. It's easy for them, but producers are, are hustling oh, yeah. like everybody else. They're just a different part of the business, sure. but it's not yeah. all green lights for y'all yeah. either. So I'm curious about the, you mentioned, um, so at the time we're recording this, Rodney has new album out. He's about to release, I think his second single yeah. on it. And you're already starting to look for singles or look for songs for the next project. Yeah. I'd like to talk about the song search and you can talk about Ronnie specifically or just artists in general. Cause you know, not your first rodeo. Yeah. So when you're doing a song search for an artist like Rodney and I noticed like on his album, his current record, he did not write most of the right. songs. Most of them are written by other folks and there are way more songs and songwriters than you can possibly sift through. Yeah. Cause you just don't have time to listen to them all. You never have time to actually you know, sure. produce. Right. Yeah. So how do you go about looking for songs for an artist? And, you know, does the artist and label bring in all the songs? Do you do your own search and kind of, what are the kind of the avenues where you collect songs for a project? Like well, that? one of the great things that's happened now is that, you know, Curb has hired Laurel Kittleson and um, mm-hmm. she's, she's really a great A&R person and she's, that's her job, you know, but Curb before there's been like people wear a lot of different hats. There was really no person that, that was there job to find songs for all the artists not just one artist so we've already started getting some songs from her which is great there's several places around town that i know they're going to play me great songs there's a, a handful of publishing companies that that really pay attention they've sort of done their homework on where rodney is at that particular time and there's several places where you go in and you know you they have great talent they hire these big companies that are really successful you know they know how to find talent and they get great songs. And it's just not that they can't come from odd places or something comes in that, that you wouldn't think. But generally speaking, you know, it's those, that's a sort of a place where you can, I can go to find songs. And you know, it's like everything, you know, might not find something to cut, but you find something that you think the artist would like. That's the main thing is just like, okay, does this artist, does Rodney, can he sing this? Can he be the character in this song? He's a great songwriter too. I think he had four or five on this album. But uh, he's also realized the value of an outside song. With Going Through Hell, we had had a song that was going to be the next single that Rodney had written. Really dark song, somebody dies in it. And it's a really great song, but it's not like something that you want to hear a bunch of times. And so I, th- right. I thought at that point, I thought, you know, this is, it. This is sort of our last swing, you know. And so I went out and started, I kind of quit writing for a while and just started looking. And I remember Brad Kennard played me If You're Going Through Hell, and it was like, it's like somebody hit me over the head with the tuba force. I hey, hey, this is it right here. This is a song, you know. And so it just, <laughs> yeah. you know, for one of, one of those times, you just realize it was there's something special about it, you know. Mm-hmm. At that time, Brad was working for Carnival, which is a really good small company. They don't have like a Frank Liddell Yeah, they don't have a huge staff of writers, but they have really good. Really, it's a really good. The small companies, they're probably one of the best. You might find something in there that's a little different, or but they're all good song people. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store 
or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Very cool. So what I tell people is because you're looking for a you know needle in a haystack, yeah. finding that yeah. right song or those collection of songs. And so you have to rely on filters and and go on where you think there's the best chance of having more needles in that part of the haystack. Yeah. And that sounds like what you're saying. The publishing companies that have the track record probably going to have more great songs. Like you just know that there's a better chance of finding more needles. Yeah. In this straw yeah. Right For the most part. I mean, you know, it's like I say, I still listen to the other songs that don't come from those companies just because you just never know. I mean, you know, you can't, it's hard to, you can't like listen to thousands of songs by yourself, but I know, you know, Rodney's manager is a good song filter too. Greg Hill was a song plugger before he was a manager. So he's a really good song person. So songs come through, he finds songs too. So it's sort of a, a joint effort. You know, everybody sort of, what I look at that is, you know, I you put myself in receive mode, just receiving, you're going to uh, just, okay, I'm receiving all great songs now, you know, it's just the <laughs> mindset. It's mm -hmm. sort of the similar way of, as a songwriter looking for ideas, you put yourself on receive, you know, like, and you just start thinking, okay, and I'm open for song, great song ideas. And it's, that's a mindset too, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, cause you're a writer too. And so yeah. there's, as you're listening as a writer or I would imagine it's a different headspace and going, okay, am I critiquing this as how I would write this differently? Or am I just right. trying to get out of the way and just right. receive if you're yeah. Rodney or not? Or whoever's yeah, exactly. And sort of, and sort of shift into that mode when we're sort of, you know, actively looking and, you know, you're sort of always looking in a way, really just mm -hmm. because the nature of the business is especially now you know there's really not going to be that many like physical albums it's almost a more of a single business and you know we were lucky in the, in the beginning because we had really finished an album and it was not out yet but we had finished it supposedly and then i, f I found the song honesty which was our first successful single if it hadn't been the door hadn't still been open and still looking you know we'd had an album out there and would have been you know been over probably so yeah i remember that was a yeah the first one and that was the record before if you're going through hell yeah. right and it, you know it was like a top five or something like that it didn't sell a lot but it was kind of gave us okay we're, we got it we're hanging on to the first rung of the ladder you know you know where do we go from here right, you got another at exactly that's exactly what it was yeah. you know so it was still it was still fun you know and that was one of those songs that had been cut before it was like when you're starting out as a an unknown act you're just looking for the songs that have fallen through the cracks and they do like that song i think reba had cut it and it didn't make the project and billy dean had had it on hold so it, it had a history of attention you know it just hadn't been a single for anybody if you're starting out there are songs you look for songs like that because there there are there are out there you know ones that for whatever reason you know you i remember hearing stories about one of these days that song i think winona cut that twice and it didn't make it and then tim mcgraw finally cut it and it was a big hit Oh, yeah. So it's just interesting. I think that's a lesson for songwriters as well is don't give up on those. If, if it's had some sniffs, some nibbles, maybe a little something here, but like if it's 
you think it's great. Yeah. Try it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Something you said really caught my ear, and it's something I want to talk about anyway, so I'd love to segue into that, is talking about going to publishing companies, places where you figure they've done their homework, they understand where Rodney is as an artist, and could he be this character? And I think that's really important, and something I try to try to talk to my people about is understanding the lane of the artist, the brand of the artist, and doing things that are brand appropriate right. for the artist right. and those things. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and how important that is for the artist and kind of what that means for you as you're listening going, okay, can he do this? It's not just, oh, it sounds like a hit. Cause I'm sure you get pitched songs that sound like a hit and could be, but they're not Rodney. Hits. Right. And what kind of the importance of, of brand on that yep. and doing your homework for a songwriter or a publisher? Well, there's a brand involved, you know, but there's also just, you know, where the, where the singer is at that point in their life. I've got a great song that they uh, played me over at Sony that Thomas Rhett wrote, you know, and I thought, God, wow, this is a great song. They played it for me. I said, why didn't he cut this? Well, this is a, he's in a place now where he's got a great marriage and he's having kids. This song is about running into an old girlfriend. You know, let's have, maybe we should have a drink sometime. So it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit Rodney either, but it's just like, I've got that song. And I think, man, this is just a great song, you know, something you know, well, hopefully if I can use it somewhere, but it's just, you know, knowing where the artist is in their life is as much as anything as their brand. And, you know, part of the, the brand can also be a trap. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of songs about rural life and stuff, but, you know, there have been times when we try to get off the farm, you know, because it's like you, get, you can get stuck on the farm, you know. <laughs> right. so, people also, when people pitch, especially when people – that don't pay attention, you know, they're usually pitching for where you were instead of where you're going. And if you've already done something like that, like say we did that It's America song, well, probably not going to do any more sort of kind of patriotic songs for a long time or ever, you know, and Rodney's real conscious of that, of not going somewhere that we've already been. Mm-hmm. You try to find something that's, that, that connects that artist. One of the things we did was Caught Up in the Country was we're coming from a place and when we're trying to get here. You need something that works for both ways. And so, you know, we tried some different things on that record, you know, to sort of, and it's still, it's still Rodney's voice is really country. It's like I heard mm-hmm. the other day, I was listening to the radio and I heard watching you and I was thinking, God, that's compared to now, that's really country. And I wouldn't, at the time, I wouldn't have thought, man, that's just really country. But I was listening right. to it, I was like, golly, that's it's like kind of old school, which it is, you know, it's like 10 years old, but things change, mm-hmm. but it's just, just funny to hear it that way, you know? I think that's really important. And, you know, sometimes we're not privy to trying to, we're trying to look at the past to think where might they go. And I call it the gaps yeah. in an artist catalog. And I'm aiming for the gaps, the gaps, I love acronyms. Yeah. So growth, Yeah. there's growth, where are they Right. Growing as a person. Yeah. Are they married? Do they have kids now? Maybe they didn't sing about that before. Maybe now they will sing about kids. Achievement. Yeah. Everyone's looking for that next milestone, that next step up the ladder. We're all trying to grow. Right. And preaching or positioning, like who do they speak to? Yeah. You know, what's the choir they're preaching to? Yeah. And do we have something that preaches to that choir? But And then songwriting. If there's something that this person writes really well and they do it themselves. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't need to pitch that because that's aiming right at the, the strength of what they do. So let me pitch something else. And, and I was trying to find those little gaps, but, and looking at what they've done and trying to kind of project a step in the future, which is, yeah, we're guessing. No, that it, it, it is, but it's also, it's, it's a good habit to get into because you, if you, if you stay current with, 
with who's out there and where they are in their career, you know, you're going to have a lot better chance of getting songs cut. Really. I mean, it's, you can even, you know, like when we got our Waylon cut, we actually wrote that kind of with Waylon in mind. And there's some writers are really good at that. That's really probably the only time that I can remember doing that specifically. It's one of those things that there is some luck involved too, you know, but, but also, you know, you see the guys that are really working hard. And I mean, the thing about Nashville is, that, you know, everybody's talented. There's just like talent everywhere. And the thing that separates is those people that are, that are working hard and working smart because just trying to make it on just talent alone, you know, it just, it doesn't work really. I mean, it might work right. a little bit, but for the long haul, mm-hmm. you know, you watch these guys like Craig Wiseman and stuff, how they work. It's just, it's inspiring really. And, and very challenging too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, talent is just the ticket that gets you in the door. Yeah. It's the other stuff that's going to, I guess, keep you in or take you to that next level. Yeah. I, I believe that as well. As far as, I remember a Brad Paisley story back, one of his first big ones is the fishing song that yeah. everybody, I heard everybody in town was pitching fishing songs to him after yeah. that. Like, no, he's already done that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Yeah. Right. It's kind of a waste of time. So what mistakes do you see songwriters make when they pitch a song for one of your artists? Basically, like what annoyed you and waste your time? It could be the type of song they pitch that they haven't done their homework or the method by which they approach. You know, it could be the work itself or how they approach you. What are some well, don't do's? The first thing is like, don't misspell the artist's name. You know that I you wouldn't believe how many people, how many things I've gotten where they, it's a a t k and it's not a d. It's right. like I hate to be in, be picky about it, but I mean an artist sees that it's not going to fly. You know, it's just it's kind of insulting in a way. But so that, but I think just knowing I'm mean, enough about the artist, are they going to do like drinking songs? Are they in their life where they might not be doing any drinking songs? And but or people. Pitching songs, it's a really hard thing to do, the pitching songs about when talking about your life with kids. That's such a personal thing for most people. It's hard. A lot of times, like, for instance, you know, Rodney was adopted, and we've gotten ahead a lot of it. Once he went, sort of went public with that, we get a lot of songs about adoption, and we still haven't really done one. It's weird. We've had some that were really good, I thought, mm-hmm. that I lobbied for that just, for whatever reason, he just didn't want to go there. So... But we had a, a flurry of for a while there of of adoption songs, but, um, because it was it was kind of amazing. You know, Rodney found out he he'd already not known he was adopted, but people started coming to the shows with all the good intention, thinking with locks of hair, thinking they were related to him. People crying and just he had to finally go and find out who his birth mother was, so he'd know who if these people were, if it was true or not. Wow! So yeah, wow. it was pretty pretty amazing. Wow, that is. We, we've adopted three kids over the past two and a half or so years. And wow. every story is different. And the way that yeah. they come into our family is different than the, the way they relate to it. Extremely personal. I've written a bunch of adoption songs, but yeah, I can't. Yeah, being in Rodney's position of having been yeah. adopted, I imagine that's a very personal thing. I remember writing a song one time about looking through the glass at, the, at your newborn son thing. And yeah, I think it's a really well-written song, good song. Just, But I wrote it with a couple of writers. I remember my song player going, yeah, man, this is great, but it's probably one of those things that an artist is going to want to write on to put their yeah. specifics in there to make sure yeah. it's in their story because it is so personal. So I think it's yeah. a great point. Yeah. It's a hard target yeah. to hit for someone else. No, it is. And, you know, plus he had been adopted twice. It was like the third time he'd get sick and they'd bring him back. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of an extra 
twist in the story, you know, that's just, mm-hmm. so it's just funny. We just, we've never done that in, as a song, you know, I don't know if we ever will probably. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of like doing your homework and stuff. What about the actual process is people finding where you live, knocking on your door or sending 25 songs in an email or <laughs> what are some of those? Yeah. No, I'll tell you one of the other things that, and this is sort of off side from that is, when writers will have a great idea, but they'll do just some kind of like either make it a ballad when it doesn't have to be or not have it some life and some tempo, you know, because I, you know, you get so many songs with, it's just like they do the sort of the default groove is what I call it, you know, and mm-hmm. instead of working the kits and, and I think having all these track guys help that a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think going into the default mode, I'll just, you know, I'll hear songs because they're, especially this, this halftime songs are so big now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to not have an album that, just has like 80% of those. I don't know if you know, it's like that halftime thing, that that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Everybody, you know, there was a default mode a long time ago that was, that's kind of a pet peeve. You know, it's like, oh, guys, you couldn't have done something a little more interesting or something. That drives me crazy a little bit. I get that. I'm As a lyricist, I, I have to keep reminding myself, like when I'm in the room going, yeah, say something great, say something yeah. great, but yeah you know, let's, let's push on melody and, and tempo and groove and stuff. Yeah. And, and but there's a phenomenal, mm-hmm. there's a phenomenal amount. And I've run into two or three in this last six months, really talented guys that are called, they called track guys. That's sort of demeaning, but you know, they're basically sort of programmer producers that are really creative and really, really good. It's just really sort of a revolution in a way. Uh, I've got a guy that I'm working with on Andrew that his name is uh, Joey Ebach. And um, oh, yeah. he's he's really he's a really good songwriter for one thing, but he's a really talented programmer track guy. You know, just I, when I first heard I, that's one of the first ways I heard Andrew. He had sung a bunch of demos with him, and I thought, man, who's doing those demos? That's like it's just real fresh sounding, and you know, mm-hmm. it was exciting to hear it. Yeah. So go for something different. Energy is always good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you can uh, make it up, if you can make it up tempo you know, without, you know, you don't want to sing a song about somebody dying up tempo, but if you can do it, you know, I remember it was it really made an impact on me. I saw a comp CD of Bob DiPiro of 30 songs and it was like 28 of them were like up tempo songs. And I'm thinking, okay, there you go. You're I mean, right. Okay. Hall of Fame, 28 to two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. part, part of this whole thing to me is increasing your odds, you mm-hmm. know, there are a lot of things you can do as a songwriter to increase your odds. And obviously I'm sure you probably have a, I've already fleshed that out in 10 steps and stuff, but it's, there are just a lot of things you can do to increase your odds. That's to me is kind of, it's a long shot all the time, you know, but there are ways you can make it more possible that you're going to get some cuts. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those. So tempo, yeah. not doing the uh, default groove. Uh, I say, you know, songwriting on autopilot won't take you to new heights. Right. Get off autopilot. <laughs> right. thought, more thought. Yeah. Uh, what, what are some of those other things? I have my list, but I'm always curious to hear other people's lists, especially from your side. Well, of the table. You know, obviously there are things, you know, writing with the artist, which that's sort of a, it's hard to get into that, especially artists that are already signed. But if you form relationships with people that you, that are at your level that, that you think are really talented, you know, you're probably all going to rise together. And I think just finding those people that, that you really, you, it's what I call, it, it's the same thing with artists, but you find, you find your fellow travelers, mm-hmm. the people that you're greater than the sum of your parts when you're working with this person, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things to me is to find those, so not, don't get spread out too thin. You know, you can, can do that and, and just 
not focus in on the people that you really click with and make some have some things that you really believe in. Right. That's one thing for people that are sort of at a start starting out level. It's hard, especially I was never a writer's night guy. I don't, I'm, I'm not really good at that. And some people are great at that. And that's a good way for people to get their songs heard mm-hmm. around town. If you're not good at that, you know, it's, I can always remember Phil Barnhart who was a lyricist that I worked with. He would like go to a writer's night with his boombox. <laughs> and when it comes his turn, he would like play the song on the boombox. Oh, that's hilarious! I should do that sometime. Just to, just should, hold my yeah. phone up and just yeah, exactly. Just, here no. you go. Put it in the guitar case. Yeah, that, and just no. have my phone like in the little box where you yeah. keep your like capo. You know, just pull yeah. it out of there. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. <laughs> But I don't uh, know if people would love me or hate me. Oh, you'd get a you'd get a rise. That's funny. I should I should do that. I'll put that on my bucket list. Uh, yeah. That's great. So we've about hit our thirty minutes, and I want to you know honor that time. But man, this has been really really helpful. I think just really good stuff to for us as songwriters to see kind of through your eyes and your perspective on yeah. some do's, some don't do's, some yeah. going. Oh wow, they they have some miss the mark sometimes or have you know doors closed, but then you know opened as well. And I think that's good for us to see. So just so as we're, as we're closing her down, any just general advice, I know you've given us so much as far as like the business of songwriting that you see some people maybe making mistakes on some young writers. So we talked about, you know, working with the artist, if you can find your crew, come up together. And I think that all makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure, you know, I think, you know, the main thing, is you just have to find people that believe in you. You know, that's sometimes it's really hard and it's just like you're sort of out in the wilderness. But mm-hmm. if you're looking and you have something that's, you get to be a, a pretty good critic of your own songs. And that's one thing. So that you're, you're not going to have a, a tape with 10 songs and given to a publisher if you've got three great songs, you know, and, and, you, and you play those instead of playing too many. It's like you said that before. Mm-hmm. But that's it. It's just it's just finding people that believe in what you're doing. It's really a sort of a nebulous thing. There's really no. It's everybody has their own path. It really is. Everybody. I'm sure you probably realize this. There's everybody has the story, and and I am amazed actually that I've been able to have the career that I have. And, and you know because it's at any one time you know in those places you're just thinking about other things, and you're just thinking you're not necessarily thinking about okay how do I get to the next place. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what you're constantly doing. You just can't stay in one place lyrically, musically. You know, you have to evolve and grow. And a lot of that just is is just working. You gotta just keep showing up in this business. And that that sounds very trite, but it's in this business it's hard to keep showing up. If you get your butt kicked a number of times, you know, it's not that much fun to keep showing up. Right, and to keep believing and to keep that yeah positivity. There you go. That's it right there. And and it's that's not easy. Do you know Lee Crable? I don't. Anyway, he works at he works at Smack over there. It's okay. McNally's place, and he's a big Braves fan. And so he is the most positive person. I'll be <laughs> thinking, God, these they're screwing up. They're making errors. And we have on this little loop that Butch Baker's on too, where we commiserate and celebrate <laughs> when the Braves. And but Lee is just always positive. And so I'm just trying to to be like Lee, you know, mm-hmm. and just transfer that into the business too, because it's people want to be around you too. You're going to, you're going to attract more like a magnet, you know? Yeah. So I, that's, I think that's totally true. Cause uh, we both, I'm sure I have plenty of stories of people that got bitter and, and yeah. we have to, that stuff's contagious. Oh yeah. That's how I look at it. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta step back here because yeah. 
it's hard enough keeping my own head up and I want to encourage yeah. you, but if you're not going to be receptive to my encouragement, I have to be careful because that mess is contagious. And I got to, that's one of the things that, that Rusty Gaston, who he just got promoted. I think he's like head of Sony now or whatever, but yeah. his staff, when he had his, this music, it was all really good writers, but they were all really positive. I mean, it was just mm. always, there was always a great vibe in there and just a positive vibe. And there weren't people complaining about this, that, or the other thing, you know, and it, you know, the success he had over there is just phenomenal. You know, oh, I don't yeah. know who's going to gonna run that place now, but I mean, Rusty, I was told Rusty, man, you're going to be running something big someday. Mm-hmm. And this is something some writers get, you know, Rusty would manage his writer's calendar, like very strictly to, Make sure you're writing up, which, you know, some people hate that. I mean, but it's, it's, a, it's a real thing that people try to do. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I did is when you're trying to write up, you need to always give somebody a reason to want to write with you. When people approach you, you've got to bring, my thing, you got to bring something to the party. Right. Like it's a, a great idea or just, you got to bring, you can't just show up and say, well, here I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> I agree. It's what's your value proposition? What value do you bring in? I've, I've used a potluck analogy before. It's it's a potluck. You better bring a good dish. Yeah. Because if you're I mean, always just coming to eat. It's, I tell you, it's really cool what you've done. I mean, you're taking your success and making it something that people, it's accessible for people that are trying to figure out how to do this, you know, and, oh. and you know, you obviously have great knowledge about the business and stuff and, and bringing in people that have sort of the, that have been warriors out there because that's it's the only way to really find out. It's just a really source of information um, about how it works. Well, thank uh, you. I'm just trying to do my best to lead people down a good path. And if I yeah. accidentally lead them down the wrong path, at least that's less competition for me. Well, Ted, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for hanging with us. Uh, yeah, I man. definitely appreciate it. I think it was a lot of value, a lot of good wisdom and insight here that I definitely appreciate because it's good. Part of why I do this is selfish because I, I like to hang with people that are in the business sure. and know what they're oh, yeah. talking about. And sometimes I get to ask questions that I just want to know, and but yeah. they know are going to help the, the community as well. So thank you so much. I think you provide yeah. a ton of value. And, Great. Uh, God bless. I appreciate it. All right, man. All right. See you around. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of another killer climb episode, the climb music biz podcast. Brent, what, what else you get to sweeten the pot here? Yeah. Well, okay. So if you like that, there's more where that came from. So again, that was The Hang, which is a series, a video series I host in the members area of freddie.com, F-R-E-T-T-I-E.com. And so if you want to see that, Again, if you want to see what else we have in there, we have a lot of stuff going on over in that community. You can, the best way to find out is actually, let me give you a free gift. I have a gift for you. It's called Think Like a Pro Songwriter. It's an ebook that you can have instant access to through giftfrombrent.com. That's giftfrombrent.com. You just download that and I'll send you some information about Freddie. Of course, you can always go to freddie.com, F-R-E-T-T-I-E or songwritingpro.com. If you're so inclined, but also, man, great way to do it is just let me give you a piece of my mind, right? Some lessons I've learned from my years in the songwriting music business at giftfrombrent.com that I also let you know about. Cool stuff we have going on at Freddie, Songwriting Pro. There we go. There you go. All right. All right, guys. Well, this podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.